Today's episode is sponsored by PNR Publishing, whose mission is to serve Christ and his church by producing clear, engaging, fresh, and insightful applications of Reformed theology to life. For more information on PNR's many resources for Christian living, ministry, family, and counseling, click the link in our show notes or visit prpbooks.com. This is Counsel for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. Welcome back to Counsel for Life. I'm Eliza. And I'm Beth. And we are so glad you're listening again. We are so thankful for you listeners. It's been so fun to just see you guys um, respond to our podcast episodes and share your comments and share the podcast with others. We really appreciate that. Today, we're we are bringing you an episode that is going to be something that I think in some ways is going to be so helpful and maybe in other ways could be a little bit challenging to talk about. We are here and we have invited Tim Challies to talk with us about his new book, Season of Sorrow. And we are, or Seasons, right? Seasons of Sorrow. And we are so thankful that he's joined us. He is a pastor at Grace Fellowship Church. Uh, he and his wife, Aileen, have two girls, uh, Michaela and Abby, and one son waiting for them in heaven, which is going to be the topic of what we talk about today. Nick is their son's name. And so, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today and being willing to talk about this. I know I have benefited from reading your book, and so I'm excited to hear what we're going to talk about today. Thanks for joining us. Would you mind just telling our listeners maybe a little bit more about you, where you're calling from, and I don't know, anything else you feel might be helpful? Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am married to Aileen, as you said. We're just coming up. Our next anniversary will be our 25th. So we've been together for quite some time. Um, two daughters, as you mentioned, Abby is married to Nathan. They live in Louisville, Kentucky. She's still uh, completing her studies there in biblical counseling. Oh. And then Michaela is um, finishing up high school this year and ready to head down to Boyce. She hopes and trusts next year as well. So um, I'm elder pastor at Grace Fellowship Church, not on staff there, but uh, do serve there uh, as I'm able. And I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I've been here my whole life and uh, do spend a fair bit of time traveling to the States and traveling elsewhere as well as the Lord leads and provides opportunity. Tim, awesome. what is the weather like in Canada? This is yeah. a question that I ask because I'm in Dallas and I just, uh, I just don't even understand what's happening. in the. <laughs> It is cold. It is snowy. It is below freezing. It's snowy, but it's not as bad as Buffalo, where I understand they're getting four feet of snow in the next what? couple of days. And so oh Buffalo is just a little bit south of here, but their weather patterns are completely different and they just get hammered uh, winter after winter. So it's bad, but it's not as bad as Buffalo. Wow. What a, what a positive, like... <laughs> silver lining kind of answer. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just, you know, we, we hardly even have winter coats in Dallas. We don't really need them much. Uh, and so it's just baffling to me when I hear, when I talk with people that are from Northern areas, I'm like, I can't even, I don't know. I think I would not be able to handle it. I'm just not used to that. It's a true four season climate here. We got four distinct seasons, which is lovely, but the winter <laughs> does last just a little bit too long. And we're always really ready for, for it to give way to spring when that happens. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, okay. So let's dive into this conversation today because it is based on the book, which came out of 
a, a pretty significant season of sorrow that you are continuing to walk through, really. And um, I'm going to be very honest with you. I, when I heard that your son had died suddenly, um, I knew you would be writing about this because I followed your blog for a long time and I've learned that about you, that you kind of process through writing and I benefit, I have benefited from that and continue to benefit. And just being completely honest, I didn't read your blog for a while because I just struggled with being able to, because for me, it even brought up questions. You know, we have kids who are close to the same age and just questions about it all, just because there was just so, it was so sudden and so unexpected. Um, but I started to, I, I think I read the first one was around Christmas. So it, a, a little bit later, you know, but, um, and then I couldn't read everyone, but as I read this book, it was like catching up on your blog posts. It was just like, okay, here it is because it's such a journey with you through an entire year of, from finding out to basically, I think it's the one year anniversary. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, I read it just actually recently on a plane and I was definitely wiping some tears as I read it, but I was so glad I did. I thought to myself, why did I wait to read this? But because it just pointed me back to so much hope. And I think though, what I love the most is just watching how you wrestled so uh, vulnerably. And I actually think that's helpful for people. So we are a counseling podcast. You mentioned your daughter's going into biblical counseling. We're hoping that this helps people like that. And one of the things we do often is walk with people who are experiencing grief, but everyone's experience of grief is different. And um, yet some things will be similar. Maybe somebody has lost a child. And so there'll be that similarity. But there is a lot of differences. So now that you've been on the receiving side of help and support, what would you say are some things that um, people who are supporting, specifically people who are caring for a grieving friend should maybe know? Because I, I want to just read just briefly a quote that you said um, about grief. You said this was a little bit further on right after like the initial of it. You said grief stopped being a stranger and instead became more of an uninvited guest that clearly had planned to overstay its welcome. So we learned to live with grief. And you talk a little bit more about that. So. I'm just wondering if you can kind of expound on that now that you're on the receiving side of it, what should we know as we seek to care and help mm -hmm. people? Yeah, I would think it's important to know that initially when people experience a deep loss, uh, loss of a child, loss of a spouse, something along those lines, that um, it's very likely they enter into a time of real opaqueness, darkness, brain fog, something along those lines. And so in those initial days, they really have need of, of close friends or um, church members, family members coming alongside them to support them in that. And it will impact very just normal life things, things they've always been able to do well. Suddenly they're going to struggle with them. So making meals or doing the shopping or driving the kids to school or uh, just making decisions. All of these things can become really, really hard. And so um, being willing to, to take on some of life's tasks on their behalf up to and including doing the grocery shopping or bringing meals to them, uh, I, I think it becomes really a necessity if they're to carry on life, and especially so if they have a number of other people to care for, a number of children or family members. So being willing to support them in that, even, off, even offering to help them make decisions. I know that in those early days, I was making very weird decisions and really had to rely on a friend. Just I had to realize that about myself and say, I'm going to bounce all big decisions off you because I just don't trust myself right now. Um, 
So I think in those initial days, being being willing, you, you can't press yourself in, but you know, being willing to help in those very tangible um, ways. And then as time goes on, to to trust that the family will progress in some ways, that uh, they will regain some function. And I think over time, you're looking to see them regain a new normal and sort of helping them settle into that new normal. Um, another thing I would look for is I, uh, we see the complementarity of men and women in many different ways. I think mm-hmm. we see complementarity in grief um, and that at least in our experience, and we've heard this from other grieving parents, is that a father, dad, man is likely to um, emerge into that new normal faster than a grieving mom woman. Um, and I think that's just the way God has made us. There's, there's differences there and being able to appreciate that. And, um, uh, for the people who are in grief to realize that there will be this time between where one has emerged, the other has not. And uh, that'll be a time where you have to show extreme kindness and patience with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, lest you think that my way of grieving is the right way of grieving. That's probably a little bit beyond what you asked, but. Well, is uh, that like, do you feel like that's true for you and your wife? Like there's one who's maybe emerged as you use the word different time than, than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And emerged into that new kind of normal. And mm-hmm. um, in the early days we had received an email from somebody who reads my site and had gone through the same loss, pretty similar circumstances. And that's one of the things he told us is that, you know, dad, maybe think in six months or so you'll sort of feel like you've, you've got wind in your sails again, you're back to this, new kind of normal. You never go back to the way you were, but this new normal. And your wife may be 18 months to two years. And that was roughly what we found. I think Eileen feels that just now at at about the two-year mark, she's feeling like, okay, normalcy has come, this new normalcy. Mm. And again, in that period between is when you need to be so careful that I'm not thinking you need to hurry up. And she's not saying, well, it looks to me like you didn't even love him just because you're Mm. back to normal. And so not judging one another, just being patient and kind and loving yeah. through that between time. Really That's helpful. really helpful. And and I think, you know, obviously you're experiencing that Mar- married couples experience it probably very profoundly because they're in the home together and they're doing life together in those deep ways. But I also notice in the church and the Christian community, people just wondering about timelines and like, why is it taking someone so long or why are they struggling so much or, or why is it so quick for some and, and others? So I think it's helpful across the board, what you've shared too, even just grace and patience for each other as we seek to come alongside. There's no, there's no formula. There's, there's no way to know how long it's going to take or even like what types of experiences and feelings each person is going to have, even within the same situation of grief. And so that, that leads me to, I want to read a, a quote from the book about about emotions, about the feelings that you've experienced. And it, it says this, I realize I've been trusting too much in my feelings that I must submit them to facts, to truth, to what is eminently more trustworthy. My feelings rotate like the earth. My emotions come and go like the seasons, but the truth is as fixed and constant as the sun. When I focus on what is true, I understand that God is present with me. He has been present since the moment I heard the awful news. So first of all, such a beautiful poetic way to, to write about that. But, um, and, and thank you. Oh my goodness. I I can't imagine the, the courage it takes to write so vulnerably and to know that, that, that your words are out there in public. But when you talk about feelings, 
I love the analogy of the seasons and we see that theme in your book, but just the idea of the truth of the Lord being fixed and constant as the sun. Can you just expound on that a little bit more as you think mm -hmm. about the, the feelings that are associated with grief? Yeah. So God created us to be emotional beings and that's a wonderful thing. Um, that, that's how we're made. And so emotions are not wrong. Um, we don't necessarily have to shrug off our emotions as if they don't matter or if it's inappropriate. I mean, you should weep and mourn and grieve at a great loss. We're not stoics, you know, we're not called to just shove all that aside as if it doesn't matter. We're, we're Christians and mm -hmm. uh, our Lord and Savior, when he stood outside the tomb of his friend, he wept. And that was the, the good and right and righteous thing for him to do. Um, so we, we, we have emotions. Um, on the, at the same time, our emotions are not trustworthy. We can't trust our emotions because we are imperfect, sinful, limited beings. And so there's something higher than our feelings, something higher than our emotions and something that should uh, direct them. And that is truth. And, and so when we're going through times of deep sorrow, uh, of course, we'll be feeling the emotions, but we have to be a little bit skeptical of our emotions, or we have to at least be willing to subject our emotions to truth. And our our tendency is to do the opposite, to say, I'm feeling this, and now I'm mm -hmm. going to change my assessment of the truth on the basis of my emotions. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like this is wrong. I feel um, that this is unfair. And so, well, therefore, I must believe that God himself is has done something wrong or God himself right. is unfair. And so what we need to do instead is to remind ourselves of what is true, what is absolutely true, and then allow our emotions to be modified by by the truth. And of course, that's the role of, of good friends, of pastors, of counselors, is to hitch our emotions to what is true, to remind us of those things we can anchor ourselves to. And really, I think that's what we're looking for in our times of grief is what is true? What can I really, really hitch myself to say, this is going to stabilize me, this, this truth. And for us, those are the truths of God's goodness and God's sovereignty, just saying if mm -hmm. these things are true, everything else can flow from there. And the, the emotions I feel will be, will flow out of my, my absolute conviction that God is sovereign. And so nothing has happened outside his plan, outside of his control. And that God is good, that he's not doing things that are arbitrary or meaningless or evil. Um, and, and, you know, any, anyone, any unbeliever, anyone in the world can bring you a lasagna and, you know, care for some of your tangible needs. And that is good. Christians can bring you truth. They can speak God's words on God's behalf and remind you of what is absolutely unshakably true. Mm -hmm. That's so helpful. And I, I think, I know for me, I do a lot of grief work with, with counseling clients and even in our, in our church setting. So, so this idea of emotions, it's so easy for our, our distressing emotions to lead to these like doubts or, or potential new beliefs that are not actually true. Like you mentioned of like, is God actually good? Or does, is God actually paying attention? Does he care about me? So if you don't have safe spaces to process those emotions towards the truth, I, the way I try to describe it is like those, those false beliefs start to get stuck and they start to take root. Um, and so what a gift it is to, like you said, to have people who love the Lord, who can continue to point us to his comfort, his sovereignty, his goodness. And, um, and, and I'm assuming that you experienced that. Would you say that that has been true for you? Like you, you were able to have people come around you to, to love mm -hmm. you well in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thankful that we had been well-trained in doctrine before 
we went into this time of sorrow. And so we had a lot to fall back on, um, having been raised myself, raised in a Christian home. Then Eileen got saved later in life, but immediately received solid training and sound doctrine. And so when it came to this loss, we didn't have to grapple with the big questions of, well, is God sovereign? That, that You don't want to have to deal with those kinds of questions in your loss. So those are things to resolve in advance. And then in your time of sorrow, you just need to enact the theology you already have. And then that gets buttressed by uh, other people who are coming alongside you and speaking those same truths to you. And, you know, we do have to allow people time to process things. And sometimes in our grief, we'll say things we don't mean. We might be externally processing. So we who come alongside others need to be patient and gentle and not confrontational. And if people say things that are untrue or, um, you know, just way out there, we, we can grant them patience and maybe, you know, come back to those things later. Um, because we're so out of whack, our emotions, our thoughts, everything are out of whack. But uh, being able to just keep speaking truth gently and plainly is so, so important. I think that I'm glad you said that because who hasn't been in a situation where the emotions are so big, whether you're walking through grief or you're walking through something that just was way bigger than you thought it was going to be. Um, and I go back to, I think it's Job 626, where it says, do you think you can do you think you can reprove the words of a despairing man, their wind? And I remember hearing John Piper preach on that once. And he was saying, these are wind words. We call these wind words. Sometimes you're in situations where, and that's where it takes wisdom as a caregiver, as a counselor, as a friend to be able to say, is this a, a Job 6 wind word? Or is this now rooting and you're starting to see actually their theology? Most of the time, I think, especially in grief or those other situations that are things that just kind of hit us, uh, kind of knock us down and and we aren't really prepared. Those emotions that first come are that reaction, that response. But I appreciate even what you said. It's like there's, there is a ballast of truth that we should be, we should be anchored to, you know, that, that we should have in us by that's why we read the word that's why we're we're, we meditate on god's word that's why we 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 do what we need to do to to grow our soul when the suffering isn't there because when the suffering comes i know even for myself going through something very very difficult that i did not expect you know what came up to me and this is just the way i was raised i don't know if if if, uh your churches there in canada have the same program but we had a wana program and 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 i was in a wana program as a very little girl and it was in those suffering times but believe it or not those scriptures even came to mind those scriptures that i learned as a six or seven year old Mm -hmm came back to mine and they were that ballast in those moments where I had those wind words. So I'm glad you, you shared that because that is a part of that, but we also want to be able to appreciate what you say of Christians can bring the truth. So thank you. for Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even, you know, none of us is going to mourn sinlessly. We're sinful beings. And so there may come a time and hopefully will come a time later on when before the Lord, you just say, I know I was imperfect in my sorrow. And I confess that before you, even if I can't identify particular things and even that just lay it before the Lord and our God is just so kind and so patient and so loving and so willing to forgive us and so you know as we uh, even if we sin in our, our great sorrows he's he's got us that's good yeah and, and and even I've heard people say whenever they're talking to someone who's experienced a great loss they will say things like I don't think I could do what you did I don't think I could have gone through what you've gone through it's like well so, so what you said, Tim, is so helpful of that you, what you need is a foundation, like before the suffering occurs, 
um, that you've, you've, you're standing firm in your faith and you, you're trusting the Lord. And so it's, it's so interesting because I think uh, like our church has a lot of college students in it. And so a lot of these young, young believers are saying like, what do I do? Like, what do I need to be doing? Or does it really matter that much if I am in God's word, if I'm studying, if I'm, I'm in, I'm in worship, I'm in service regularly. Does that really matter so much? It's like, what yes, you're saying is yes, what well, matters anyway. <laughs> but then when you hit these yeah. moments, I love, you know, just this idea of the Lord being the anchor of our soul. It's like, we, we've so got good. to have an anchor and strong theology is an anchor for us. So thank you for that. That's, that's so helpful. Now, Tim, as you are a, a year out from, um, I, I know it's been two years since Nick passed away and now you've written this book. As you think about what's in the book, is there anything you would add to it now? Like after the fact, as you're a little bit more distance from the writing itself, any, any additional things that when you look at it, you're going, Oh, I would have added this in. Yeah, I, I don't really think so in the sense that the book is a real time journey through that first year. And so I didn't set out to write a book. I just set out to, to write out my own thoughts on what was happening. It's how I process things is mm -hmm. by writing about them. And so it really is just a season by season um, reflection of what I was going through. And so in that way, it's, it's real, it's raw, it's honest, it's genuine. It's, it's what I was going through. And yeah. um, so to add something to it, I would have had to go through something different or think about things differently. And so in that sense, it, it wouldn't make a, a ton of sense. There, there maybe was a chapter I could have added, which is the one about being angry with God. And I think we left that out. Um, I've written it and then something had to be left behind. And I think that was one of the ones I've, it's out there on the blog, but mm -hmm. I I think there is this um, sense in the Christian world that sometimes the most righteous thing you can do is shake your fist at the heaven. That's just good, genuine living before the Lord. I feel angry, so I'm going to express my anger to God. And I had some people encouraging me to do that. And I think it's very important we establish that that's an inappropriate response. Even if we do feel that anger, that would be sinful anger. Because to to be angry at God is to impugn God in some way, to say that he's done something wrong or something less than what's best. And um, so we puny little human beings have to be willing to say, God has done no wrong. And for me to be angry at God would be to express my view that he has done something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think maybe that could have been added in. Um, mm -hmm. On the other hand, I, I do want to be gentle with people. I know many of the people who read the book will be going through a time of sorrow. Yeah. And so I do want to be gentle with them and hope that if they do get angry with God, that'll be something that the Lord will convict them of over time. And they can mm -hmm. uh, deal with that before the Lord on their own at a later time. So, you know, as I read it, um, I definitely felt like I was being reminded of just how I need to respond to God's sovereignty. There were very many places throughout the book that I, I felt that I think probably one of my favorite chapters was chapter 18 called thy will be done. And we're not going to necessarily talk a whole lot about it, but I'm going to encourage listeners get the book. It is so helpful. Even if you're not going through grief, just to really understand, because we've all gone through losses. We've all gone through seasons of sorrow. Um, it doesn't have to be the loss of a child to benefit from this book. And I felt like that was a chapter that I, I, I read it a few times and then I found it on a website. So we're actually going to link to that chapter in the website. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go get his book. It just means if you want a taste of it, you can see my favorite chapter it was chapter 18, Thy Will Be Done, because it just gave me a, a fresh reminder of God's sovereignty and what it means to 
to really yield to that. But I did also want to just ask you as we close though, um, because I sensed as I read that there was a longing that you had as uh, you were writing, not just a longing for, for Jesus in heaven, but a longing to see your son again. And who wouldn't long for that? And so I'm just kind of curious because it was a question that I had when I was reading it. How has going through such deep loss here on earth changed your view of heaven or has it? Oh, it absolutely has. And heaven wasn't really in my mind all that much prior to this loss. You know, my dad passed away about a year before Nick did. So I had opportunity then, but you know, my dad was the kind who spent his whole life joking about his coming demise and just sort of made light of it. And so, and you know, in all likelihood, your parents are going to die before you do. And so that's just, it's a, it's a much normal part of, of life. But it was really when, when Nick died that I had to think a whole lot more about heaven. And um, I, I think it was through his death that I realized that um, losing our loved ones is one of the things that really does loose our grip on this world. Cause this world can be really good. We, we sometimes act like this world is only ever awful, you know, to, to a degree that's true, but we really do experience many joys and many delights in this world. And we can really grasp tightly to those things. Um, and that's good. God is so kind to us. He blesses us so richly. And yet, um, he does need to shift our hearts to heaven, which is where they ought to be, where where true joy is found in his presence. And uh, I'm sure that one of the ways he does that is simply by helping us look forward to the uh, to reuniting with those who have gone before. Mm-hmm. And often that's our parents or, you know, Christian figures we've looked up to in church history or something or people in our churches. But maybe it's even our children. And we look mm-hmm. forward to catching up with them. And so um, heaven has lost its its fear in the sense I'm not afraid to die the way I once was. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, if my son has led the way, who would I be to to be afraid and to to uh, just lose my courage in the face of that? Wow. And just just longing to uh, to be there where he is and just trusting more and more that God's promises are true. Right. And that um, he will he will prove himself. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a lot, a lot of what we're doing in the Christian life is we're just saying, you know, God, I believe you. You prove yourself to me. I'm mm-hmm. taking you at your word and I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to the day when I get to heaven and I say, yes, I knew all this was true. I knew all this was right. God has proven himself mm-hmm. in these ways I had to take by faith. Now I see it yeah. by sight. Wow. That's Yes. And I, I caught some of that. It's really, really helpful just even to hear you say it. I think that's going to encourage people uh, just as that reminder, like that's a good thing to look forward to. And sometimes God, he expands our hope through things like this. It feels like how does losing a child make my hope bigger? But I can see that's exactly what has happened in your story. And I believe that if you are experiencing grief or loss or seasons of sorrow, this book will help you to regain that hope that that really truly is ours in Jesus. And so listeners, I want to commend this book to you, Seasons of Sorrow by Tim Challies. It's excellent. I read it in one sitting and didn't regret a moment of that time. So thank you so much for just your investment in sharing your heart. I know, like you said, uh, I know you, a lot of this was just you processing. And I actually think that's probably the biggest gift is that people who go through deep losses want to know, does somebody else, what is this like? You know, what, what has it been like for them? It's, there's this fellowship of suffering that, that uh, somehow lightens the load or gives some clear direction or, or helps you realize like, 
okay, I'm, I can get through this, this thing that feels like, how are we going to get through it? So I appreciate you being willing to be the person to lighten the load for many people, you and your wife. I read recently, she had a blog post as well. And I read that and just was encouraged to hear her voice as well. So thank you both uh, for sharing your story with us. And thank you for being here today. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right, listeners, thank you so much for joining in again. We hope this has been helpful. If you know someone who has experienced significant loss or is going through a season of sorrow, we commend this book to you and this episode, share it with them and maybe it will be what lightens their load today. So thank you so much for listening and join us again for another episode of Council for Life. Thanks for listening to Council for Life. Want to become a friend of the podcast? Join our Patreon. Friends of the podcast receive bonus episodes each month that take a deeper dive into topics discussed and provide additional practical and personal insight from the hosts. Friends of the podcast will also be entered into monthly drawings for free resources from our sponsors. For more information, visit www.counselforlifepodcast.com. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. 